You're listening to City Edge Church. For more information, go to cityedgechurch.com.au. This morning, we are greatly privileged to hear Mike Tregow come and share the word with us. Come on up, Mike. He's our budding new preacher. This will be sermon number two for him. And uh, so we're excited. The last time it was really encouraging. It was challenging. It was good stuff. And uh, we're going to be hearing more of him in the future too. So I'm going to work him like a dog with some preaching. So anyway, as you close your eyes and reach out your arms to Mike and we'll just pray for him. Father, thank you for the words you put on Mike's heart. Thank you for the truth you reveal to him as he studies your word. Um, We pray, Lord, that uh, not only can he articulate that clearly this morning, but the words he shares penetrate us, Lord. We open our hearts to hear you speak to us through your word and through Mike's message this morning. We pray your anointing on Mike as he preaches. We pray sensitivity to your spirit as your spirit would lead this morning. And uh, we just thank you for the blessing he is and for the word you've placed on him. In Jesus' name, amen. Cool. Cool. So how are we this morning? All looking pretty good and ready to go. So... As Ian said, second preach. So I know last one I had probably a 45-minute preach and got it done in 20 minutes. So this one I'm going to try to slow it down a bit and see how we go. <coughs> so this morning God's really put on my heart to preach on grace. So I just want to give you a background how I got this preach. Um, it's probably about a couple of months ago Ian said whether I want to preach today. And I said, oh yeah, give it another crack. So um, about a month after that I was asking God what he wants me to preach about. So for those that don't know me, I'm an electrician, so I'm always on the road driving around from job to job, um, always sitting in traffic and things like that, which is always good fun, but great time to spend and talk to God. So um, I was talking to him about what he wants me to preach on today, and um, I think at the moment I was sitting in really bad traffic, I was sort of hoping you do a sort of a Red Sea sort of deal and split it straight down the middle, just drive straight through. So... Well, I was waiting for that. It never came, sadly, but I did see this ute drive past. John, just stick that one up. I got some photos just to get it through. It's actually got Grace on the side. That drove past. Oh, yeah, that's an awesome name. Cool, sweet. Kept on praying, trying to see what God wanted me to preach about. Kept asking. Um, it could have smacked me in the face and I had no idea. <laughs> so next, next day, same situation, sitting in traffic and um, praying to God, oh, really, what do you want me to preach about? I've got to get working, got to get preparing. And this drove past. So, just, just that little bit bigger version of it. Once again, I looked at it and go, man, twice at two times in one day. That's, that's unreal. So, still, once again, didn't grasp what God was trying to tell me. Um, they drove past. Obviously, they picked the faster lane. That sort of annoyed me a bit. But, you know, um, grace needed to be done there. Um, so, got to the third day and I was still praying. I got, got to work at seven o'clock in the morning. A couple of hours in, I had to go out to my van to go get a few things out. Um, and reversing down the street was this. I literally stopped at the street and this basically reversed right in front of my face. It could have smacked me in the face. And I thought, all right, God, I think I know what you're saying here. I'll stop praying now. But like, like all good Christians, 
we like to leave things to the last minute. So probably a month later, I still hadn't written the preach. I got to another site. I was sort of just working. I was like, oh, do you really want to preach on grace? I'm not sure whether I'm feeling it anymore. And just talking to God during my lunch break. And another site opened up across the road. Um, and the builders just put their banner up. And this is what it was. <laughs> Believe it or not. So um, that's what we're going to do this morning. I'm going to preach on grace. So it only took about four shots to finally get that and some um, free advertising to those companies if you're looking for a builder or I think the other ones are a removalist, I think. So, um, yeah, all right, we'll get to it. So I looked up the meaning of what the grace of God is and the meaning of it is actually grace is favour, unmitted favour, salvation by grace um, is just the unlimited favour of God, what's unreal. Um, the word grace appears over 130 times in the NIV. Just some random facts for you before we get going. Um, so I actually really love that Ian preached out of Romans 5, 6 to 11 for communion because he's literally basically preached the first chunk of my sermon, what is awesome. So um, I've got a couple of scriptures to start off with. So if we go to, I'm going to start looking at God's grace to start off with. So if we look at John 16 to 19, what well says... For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but but people love darkness instead of light, because their deeds were evil. And then the next scripture, what we've already heard this morning, Romans 5, 6 to 11. It's, it's a, um, I'll read it first. You see, at just the right time when you were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone lay, uh, anyone die for the righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. Why will still sinners, Christ died for us? Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemy, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So these two scriptures both talk about Jesus coming to die for us. What's, what's an awesome illustration of God's grace for us? Um, they, they both talk about the Father's love and that he loves us so much that he sent his one and only son to die on the cross to save us, just so we can have a relationship with him and be close to him. God's grace for us was incredible that he could have wiped us off the face of the earth as soon as sin, sin entered the world and started again, but he didn't because of his love for us and his ultimate grace. Um, none of us are deserving of this grace or his love, but yet he did it anyway. Um, so, how are we saved? We're saved by grace, if we believe. So if we look at Ephesians 2, 1 to 10. As for you, oh, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you, you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them, one time gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts like the rest 
we were the nature of deserving of wrath because, but because of God's great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order, in, oh, sorry, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself, it is a gift from God. So in, verse, so in the verses there, it clearly states that we are saved by grace. We can't be saved in any other way. Jesus is the only answer to our sins. We can't be saved by being good or doing good things. It says in Romans 3:22 to 24 This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And all are justified, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came from Jesus Christ. So we have all sinned, and we're not, and not a single work or keeping laws or being good as we can will get us to heaven or to be with Jesus. Um, it is only the only way we can be saved is through God's grace and what Jesus did on the cross to save us. That scripture is a great picture of this: that Jesus is the only way to the Father, because this we can only be saved through grace. How does this work, you might ask? I'm glad you asked, because we're going to look at that. Jesus became a man, lived completely for in, uh, sin-free life. Uh, sorry. Jesus became a man and lived a completely sin-free life. Not, not one of us can say we have lived a sin-free life, as it says in Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have all fallen short and don't deserve to be with God. We deserve the ultimate punishment, and, that, and that's death, and the separation from God. But God's grace is abounding for us that Jesus lived the perfect life and became the ultimate sacrifice for us, and to feed the power of death and, and our sin, so that we can come to a place through Jesus to be completely righteous in front of the Father. And in the next two verses of Romans 3:24 to 25, it says, And all are justified freely by his grace. Through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in forbearance he had left the sins committed before unpunishment, beforehand unpunished. Sorry. Um, so through Jesus we are justified to the Father. Through his grace we are made whole and washed clean and his blood becoming right and his blood, becoming righteousness to the Father, and being able to have a relationship with God as we are washed clean and forgiven for all our sins. So, looking at these scriptures, we've been made righteous through Jesus, who has died for our sins by his blood. We're justified um, to the Father, and all this is because of God's amazing grace and love for us. He didn't have to, as we were sinners, he could have just wiped us out, but yet he chose to, to have relationships with us. And if we believe and give our lives to Christ, we become heirs to the throne with him for eternity. So Titus 3.7. So that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs and having the hope of eternal life. It's a pretty good hope to look forward to. I mean, there's nothing better than spending eternity with Jesus, our, our Lord and Saviour, and that's made possible through his grace. So, um, 
looking at that, we're saved by grace. We also need to live by grace. So we know know God's grace and that we are saved by grace. Um, Jesus not only came to die and fulfill God's plan for our life, but he came to show us and how we should live our lives and follow, as followers for him. John 1.14 The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus lived his life full of grace and truth. This is how we should live as Christians. Our goal each day and every day should be to be more like him and to make our lives as close as possible as we can to his. Obviously, we have fallen, we have sinned in our lives, but since we are saved by his grace and been justified, that we should change our goal, our goals in life from the worldly view to the view of bringing glory to God in everything that we do, in our jobs, our everyday lives, and how we treat people. In every situation, we should try and bring grace that Jesus has shown us. To try our best, so to try our best, our best to live a righteous life, and through living righteous life, bringing glory to God in His grace, He has shown us. As we are saved by grace, this should change our view, as it does not give us the right to use grace as a get out for a get out of jail free card and keep on sinning on purpose. The Old Testament, the the law. In the Old Testament, they had the law, and when they sinned, they had to offer a sacrifice of repentance. Aren't you glad Jesus came to abolish that? Can you imagine these days if you had to walk around with sackcloth and take your best lamb to, to be slaughtered? I don't know about you, but I'm not sure whether sackcloth's coming back into fashion anytime soon. But it could be wrong with the way the world's going, but see how we go. Because we're in the new covenant, Jesus became our sacrifice, and we are saved under his grace. He became the, only, the one and only sacrifice we need to cover our sins. John 1.17 for law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And Romans 6.14 For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. So since we are saved by Jesus, and Jesus defeated the law, we are now under grace, not law. So as I said before, this doesn't give us a get-out-of-jail-free card to keep on sinning and do what we want, because he'll just forgive us. But that's not how it works. For if we are really saved from the desire of the world and we have the mindset and goal to keep sinning in our, sinning in our life, is sin still the master of your life? So in this case, if you don't despise your sin and generally desire righteousness in your life, then it might be a sign to look at your salvation and ask Christ what needs to be changed and recommit to him. Instead, once we were saved, we should want to live the way Jesus did, and continually, not continue, continually on sinning, but model our lives on how Jesus lived and showed us how to live. By sanctification, Jesus changed our mindset and how we live. Our lives are not based on law. Like before, we are saved. Um, like before, we are saved, but on grace and truth that Jesus lived. And he showed us how to live. He set an example for us how we should aim to live and how how we should aim each and every day to be more like him. And by doing this, we bring glory to God in the way we live our lives and being examples of God's love and grace and victory he has given us. And through this, reaching out to non-believers, hopefully being a witness to them about God's amazing love and grace for us. We also 
Also, as Jesus set the example, we also need to treat others with grace. As God has been reminding me over the last couple of months of working, just as Ian preached a couple of weeks ago about getting angry about those spastic drivers in Melbourne, how it's not a righteous anger, God's also been reminding me about the same thing. Every time you get cut off or something, the general um, reaction is normally to have a go at someone or something like that if in your head or something, but that's not grace. God really got to me about... I always thought I was pretty good at showing grace to people, but it's amazing that when you start looking into it and allowing God to work in it, how many areas of your life you actually need to improve on. So (laughs) even if it's something simple as getting annoyed at someone that's cut you off, um, it's something that needs to be worked on through God because even... So I've got to ask you, I know it's an old saying, I don't know a lot of these guys know, but what would Jesus do? It's always a good image and... um, Thing to fall back onto if you're struggling with something. So, where am I? So, Luke 6:27 to 29. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them and offer the other. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Then Colossians 4:6. Let your conversations always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may you may know how to answer everyone. It talks about how we should be gracious to people, how we shouldn't react the way they react, how we should react how Jesus would have, and show grace to people. By doing this, by doing this, God can use us to be a great witness to people of not reacting how how the earth thinks you should react, but how Jesus would have reacted. And it's amazing the seeds that can be planted through just doing that. That may not touch them then and there, but they may look back at it some time and come to Christ through that, through the way you treated them. Um, there's so many scriptures in the Bible about showing grace to people. For example, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times, 77 times, or 770 times. It's unendless. Um, so, with grace... Grace is one of those, when we're living in grace, the enemy hates it, absolutely hates it. His role in life is to get you out of that that um, place with God where your ultimate relationship with God. Um, he tries to attack you in those areas and tries to not allow you to live in that place of grace. So when that happens, it's important, um, there's a few scriptures that you can fall back on, like John 19.30. When he received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So probably some of the most powerful words in the Bible Jesus ever said was, it is finished for us as well. Just like when we sin and we're saved and we're forgiven under grace, it is finished. That sin is stopped. The Father's forgotten about it. It's all defeated. So when you get reminded, if the enemy tries to remind you of that, those words are also powerful with, it is finished, and there is no power in what he's attacking you with. Um, another one is John 1.16. Out of the fullness we all have received grace in the place of grace already given. And Romans 5.20. The law was brought in so that trespasses might increase. But where sin increases, grace increases all the more. So there's no sin that grace does not cover at all. 
Um, there's nothing that we could do to be torn apart from God's grace and love when we are saved. There's always that place where if we come back and ask for forgiveness, God's always there and willing to build that relationship. So once again, I've actually hammered through this preach, and it's pretty well just about the end. So can I encourage you guys just to live in that grace that God's called you to live and be a witness of that grace to people. Um, and let, let grace work for your life and allow Christ to change what needs to be changed to be able to um, live in that grace. Um, so just to finish off, Revelation 22:21. it's actually the last verse in the Bible. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with uh, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. So the grace be with you guys as well. And that's all I've got. <laughs> so, thank you. Thanks, Mike. It's a powerful message, the message of grace. And as Mike shared, we should be living in it every day. And uh, there's never a time when uh, the enemy the enemy attacks us all the time and tries to draw us out of that place of living in his free grace. But there's never a time we can't turn around and should turn around and say, tell him to get out of my face because it is finished. On the cross, it is finished. And if you put your trust in Jesus Christ, he has no more authority to attack you anymore. Your relationship is secured uh, read the end. Read all of Romans chapter eight. Brilliant stuff. It's particularly the end. There is nothing in heaven and earth, nothing created, not angels nor demons that can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. So when the enemy tries to drag you out of that place of grace and make you think, well, I don't measure up, well, you don't measure up. You needed Jesus Christ in the first place because you don't measure up. But when you've you put your trust in him. When you've been washed clean by your blood, he measures up. And if you are in Christ, the darts of the enemy cannot penetrate to you. He will try and make you think they can, but they can't. So I encourage you, every time the enemy attacks you, every time you feel down about your relationship with God, every time you may feel conviction of sin, confess your sin. Father, I've done wrong here. I know I've done wrong. I bring that before you. Wash me clean afresh with your blood. Read and pray Psalm 51. Um, David's psalm that he wrote and he prayed after he sinned with Bathsheba. Create a clean heart in me, O Lord, and put a new and right spirit within me. Every day in grace because Jesus Christ has paid the price. Thanks for listening to City Edge Church. For more information, go to cityedgechurch.com.au.